We're really grateful to have Harold and Sally Shank with us this morning. Harold is the author of numerous books. He has taught in the classroom as a professor at Harding School of Theology and Oklahoma Christian University. He's been the president of a university at Ohio, Ohio Valley University. Especially for our purposes here today, it's helpful to remember that from 1974 to 1976, Harold was the Minister of Education for Highland. From 1976 to 1986, Harold and Sally planted a church on Highland's behalf in Milwaukee. It was a vibrant church that specialized in reaching out to the unchurched. And then from 1986 to 2006, for 20 years, Harold preached for the Highland Church. And it was during those years that I came and, and really learned how to preach under Harold and enjoyed preaching with Harold beginning in 1998. We are so glad that Harold and Sally could join us today to help us to celebrate this special 90th anniversary here at Highland and thankful that Harold could share a word from God with us in all three of our English speaking services. Would you join me in welcoming Harold Shank to our stage this morning? Happy birthday, Highland. Uh, 1928 was a good year. Um, it was the year Mickey Mouse was created, and uh, penicillin was discovered, and uh, the yo-yo was invented, all overseen by Calvin Coolidge. I think you're in good company. I'm not sure, but I think you're in good company. And so Sally and I are uh, delighted to be with you today and share uh, this remarkable event. Uh, on, on the west side of Oklahoma City, there's a, a thrift store called Second Chance Thrift Store on North MacArthur Boulevard, War Acres part of town. And it's owned and operated by Delisa. Uh, Delisa is a, a friend of ours. We go to church together. Delisa's a Christian. And uh, it's a typical thrift store, uh, secondhand clothing, used furniture, knickknacks, uh, pleasant organized place to shop, it smells, uh, has a nice aroma to it. And uh, occasionally Sally and uh, some of the other women from our church will, will go over to Second Chance and uh, unpack donated items and sort things out, hang up clothes and that's, that sort of thing. And, and after she was there recently, uh, we heard about something that happened just before she was there that caused us some concern and we weren't quite sure what to do about it. Uh, a man had entered the store, a, a large man, and walked around, appeared to be shopping, came up to the counter where Delisa was and pulled out a long knife. Well, nothing happened and, and something, ha uh, he left without incident. But, but it, it caused us some concern. We, we just kind of wondered, you know, what, what should we do about this? And it occurred to me that, that, that we all have those uh, situations that occur on a regular basis where we say, you know, what am I supposed to do? Maybe, maybe you've had crime at your house or in your neighborhood. What are we supposed to do? Or, or maybe it's some national issue. Uh, you're concerned about the rise in teenage suicide recently in America. Well, what are we supposed to do about that? Or maybe it's something personal. Uh, we have some friends going through a divorce. I don't know what to do. 
Or uh, we've invited those folks to church, our neighbors, and five times they've said, no, what do we do? Or getting ready to retire, don't have any money, don't know what to do. And on it goes. Well, I think those kinds of situations raise questions for us. Where do we find hope? How how do we get a change in perspective to meet these encounters in life? Um, How do we be successful when so many things are pushing back? Well, I'd like to suggest uh, a one-word answer uh, to those issues. It's a Hebrew word. Most of the Bible is written in Hebrew. And and it's the Hebrew word pala, P-A-L-A, pala, pala, accent on the second syllable. Would you you all just join me out loud in saying pala, ready, all together? Okay, try it again. Okay, good Hebrew scholars already. Well, pala, when translated into English, means magnificent, extraordinary. It's the Hebrew word for wonders. It's, it means sensational. And, and it's also uh, the word that means impossible. And, and throughout the Bible, this word pala is associated with our God. He's a God of pala, a God who does wonders, magnificent, wonderful, extraordinary, seemingly impossible things. He looks at one reality and imagines another reality. So uh, Genesis 18, uh, Abraham and Sarah are uh, about a a century old. They've been told they're going to have a child. There's no child on the horizon. They've pretty much given up. What are we supposed to do? And three angels uh, come to their tent house. And uh, one of the angels uh, says, uh, uh, Sarah's going to have a baby in the spring. And Sarah's nearby. And she looks, looks over her, so she, she starts to laugh. <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen. And the angels aren't laughing. And one of the angels says, uh, why is Sarah laughing? Don't you know that we serve a God of Pala, a God who does the impossible, who looks at one reality, imagines another, and before they plant their garden in the next spring, uh, they have a baby. Or, or there's the book of Exodus. Uh, Israel's been... slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They don't know what to do. God sends a deliverer, Moses. At times it appears he doesn't know what to do. Plagues come and then Moses leads the people out of slavery into a trap. Red Sea on one side, Pharaoh's army on the other side, and then God splits the Red Sea. They walk across on dry ground. And Moses writes a song about that occasion and and he says in the song, He says, uh, who is a God like you who is able to do palah, is able to do the impossible? Or Judges 13, uh, it's about Manoah and his wife. They can't have children. They've been under Philistine oppression for 40 years. They don't know what to do. An angel comes, says, you're going to have a baby, going to grow up. He's going to throw off the Philistines. They have trouble believing that. And so Manoah offers a sacrifice and he says, by the way, what is your name? The angel looks at him and says, well, why do you ask? My name is Pala. God who looks at one reality and imagines another. Or, or the Psalm 78, where my Bible's open, uh, it's sometimes called the Psalm of Impossibilities. It's a long psalm, historical psalm about Israel. 
and how God does these wonderful, impossible things over and over again, and then they forget, sometimes called the psalm of forgetting. And the psalm says uh, in verse four, uh, we will not hide them from their ch- our children, uh, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of his might and the impossible, the apala that he has done. Or it happens in Jeremiah 32, uh, Jerusalem surrounded by the Babylonian army, Jeremiah's in prison, the 10 o'clock news is all negative, we're out of food, we're out of water, we're out of ammunition, we're out of wood, we're gonna capitulate to the Babylonians. And Jeremiah in his prison cell writes, ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is pala for you. And it goes over in the New Testament, different words. Angel appears to a teenage virgin, her name's Mary, says, you're gonna have a baby. She says, I don't quite know how that's gonna work. And the angel explains it. And Mary still kind of questions, and the angel says, don't you know we serve a God who does the impossible? Or Matthew 19, Jesus talking to a man who has quite a portfolio, young man, wants to know what, what he needs to do, you know, to be even a better man. And Jesus says, sell what you have, give it to the poor. Man's sad, he, he walks away, can't do that. But the crowd is really confused by this conversation and they look for some explanation. Jesus says, well, let me explain. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. Now they're really confused. Who in the world can go to heaven? And Jesus says, with humans, it's not possible. But with God, all things are possible. Or Matthew 17, another one. Jesus is talking about a mustard seed. fit on the tip of your finger. He's outside. There's a mountain in the distance. He's, he says, if your faith is this big like the mustard seed, you can move that mountain. People are perplexed by that. And Jesus says, uh, with faith, nothing is impossible. Well, on and on it goes throughout Scripture. God just does impossible things, and Jesus does it. He comes, and and he's preaching, and he looks out over uh, his audience, and he knows that in their capital city, uh, the streets are lined with Roman crosses. He he sees the Roman legions patrolling up and down the neighborhoods. Their their stone, their, 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 their streets are made out of dirt. Their houses are made out of stone. Their clothing is rough. They have no medical care. Their life expectancy is short. Jesus looks out at that crowd and he says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Looks at one reality, imagines another. Or he preaches to the crowds and he sees these people and he sees people sleeping around on their mates and others just sleeping around. Sees people uh, cheating on their taxes and others work for the government, cheat others on their taxes. These people never solve any conflict in their life, others who solve every conflict with violence. And Jesus looks out over that crowd of sinners and he says, I've been sent by God to tell you that you need to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. God who sees one reality imagines another. Well, all this should change our perspective, inform us. And when we come up against these situations where we just don't know what to do, We should not look in, but we should look up. Not say, I can't, but he can. Don't say, it all depends upon me, 
but it all depends upon him. 1925, Nashville, Tennessee. The inner city was growing, people moving in from the rural south, fine work in Nashville, there wasn't any work. God said, I think I'll start a church in that inner city neighborhood. And he says, I I think I'll send this young college professor from David Lipscomb College uh, to start that church by the name of E.H. Imes. Later became a minister of this church, was my mentor. And Imes and others, October 1925, started that church with 25 people. In 10 years, they had 1,000. Decided they'd preach the gospel every day. So they did. Every day at noon, they preached the gospel. Decided they'd feed people every day at noon. For 20 years, they had a noon meal. One year, they served 11,000 meals. Decided they'd keep homeless people. Bought the hotel across the street, added on to the church building. For 20 years, averaged keeping 170 homeless men and women on any one night. Those 20 years, that one church, Central Church of Christ, baptized 8,000 people. 20 years is 8,000 days. 1928, Memphis was moving east. There was a a community way out in the suburbs called Normal. There was a train stop there and a little school. God said, "I, I think I'll start a church in that neighborhood. He sent some people, and they called it the Normal Church of Christ, later the Highland Church of Christ. And now, 90 years later, a 1,000 people still call it home. 1945, um, Searcy, Arkansas, Harding College. Uh, we just finished World War II, dropped two bombs in Japan. And there was a young man who graduated by the name of Joe Cannon. Been in a gang up in Canada, uh, was converted to Christ, came to this college in Arkansas, graduated, didn't know what to do with his life. Went to J.N. Armstrong, the president of the college, said, what, what, do I, what am I supposed to do with my life? And Armstrong said, find somebody who needs the love of God and go love them. So Joe Cannon moved to Japan. Started 45 congregations of Churches of Christ. 1973, moved to Papua New Guinea, started 139 congregations, baptized 3,000 people, started two schools, came to Highland, started another school, then went off to Ukraine. Dan Henley is a friend of mine, lives here in Memphis. This past spring, Dan went up to Chicago, west side of Chicago. One time was one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in America and met a Christian coach, good man. And he said, you know, over the years, I've been here 20 years coaching, and, and I've coached uh, 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 many, many, many young men, but there are 100 young men I've coached who were killed on the streets of Chicago. He took Dan around and showed him where those boys lived. He said, I, I thought about leaving uh, many times. Someone arsoned our house. I wasn't sure it was safe for my family, but we stayed. And now that the man who runs that organization is a good Christian man, and, and the man who runs that one's a good Christian man, and that's, that man was, was on my basketball, and, and all around the city were people who he had influenced for Christ. Now, I know most of those people. Uh, they're not CEOs. They're not millionaires. They're not geniuses. They're ordinary people, very much like me and very much like you. 
but they serve a God of Pala, a God who does amazing things. When I started preaching in Highland, it was a dangerous place in the world for children. Some um, 34,000 children around the world were dying every day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, 34,000 children dying from starvation, dirty water, easily preventable childhood diseases about 30 years ago. That number right today is half of that. Still too many. But a lot of good Christian people, a lot of faith-based organizations, people of character, have taken that number and cut it in half. There was a, a boy uh, working on uh, a potato farm, picking potatoes um, in western Pennsylvania a number of years ago. Didn't know what he was going to do with his life. And uh, uh, God looked down and said, I think I'll make that potato-picking boy a preacher. And he did. And that boy, now preacher, has been preaching for 52 years. And he's delivering the 90th anniversary sermon at Highland Street Church. There's a thrift store in Oklahoma City, North MacArthur Boulevard, called Second Chance. It's owned by Delisa. We go to church with her, a friend of ours. They have used clothing, secondhand furniture, knickknacks. Nice place to shop. Not long ago, a, a, a man entered the store. Uh, and Delisa is a good Christian woman, but she's had a sordid past. She uh, was involved uh, as a victim in the sex trade, lived in three different countries, performing sex acts, became a prostitute. She's been in prison. She's been shot. She's been raped. She's been stabbed. She has a, a, a scar across her face. She's 5'2". So the man, a, a tall man, came in uh, and, and went around the store, and he came up to the counter, and he pulled out a knife. And Delisa came around uh, the counter, and she looked up at the man, and she said, I'm not afraid of you or your knife. There's nothing you can do to me that's not already been done. And what you need is Jesus. Put down that knife because we're going to pray. And he put down the knife, and she prayed. And he walked out of the store. We serve a God of Pala. And whatever you're facing, whatever difficulty in life, he's a God who does wonders, who does the impossible. Let's stand and sing about this wonderful God. Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon.